Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good evening. Ah, Thank you so much, Freedom Church, for having me here and um, allowing me to speak despite the fact that I closed down the world uh, a year ago. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that, Mike, a ton. Uh, You guys mind if I start with prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. I thank you for the gift of today. I thank you for a chance to gather with like-minded people to worship you, uh, to enjoy each other in person and online. Thank you that um, you exist in whatever space we're in. So, Father, thank you for tonight. I pray that you would empower your word to speak to us, that you would encourage us and you would challenge us out of your word. Lord, be with us in this time in your name. Amen. Hey, um, I have uh, followed this series that Mike's been doing uh, over the last couple weeks, and I really appreciate this idea of run to win. Um, and I, I will say this, the, the verse, the, the catalyst to this whole thing. Uh, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I love this verse. I love this idea of run to win. Uh, And as Mike has has talked about the last two weeks, the first catalyst was simply read your Bible. And it's very simple, right? Read your Bible. It's not that hard uh, to open it. And the reason he said read your Bible is because the foundation that we want to build our life on, right, is the rock. We want to build our life on the rock. And if you remember his phrase, so dumb, uh, he mentioned that phrase of, he used that phrase in his life. He said, so dumb. And on all kinds of stuff, including getting airlifted, which thank you, Lord, uh, for answering prayers and stuff that, one, you got a helicopter flight. I have no idea how much it costs. I don't want to know. But to say so dumb, and God said you're no longer allowed to use that because I am what you have built your life upon. And nothing I do is wasted when you build your life on the rock. And I loved that. And I loved catalyst number two, uh, which is live generously. Right, and he had four kind of things that he went with that and those kinds of things. But one of them was going all in. I love that picture he had of his kid right at the video game, where he he was driving it and he had never put a quarter in, you know. Which come on, Mike, dude, it's fifty cents, man. Come on, stealing your kid's youth. Um, but this idea of being all in and right culture culture's perspective on the church and unhealthy financially and all those kinds of things. But he had this he had this phrase stories not stuff. And I remember when I was growing up, people had um, this concept: is the person who dies with the most toys wins, and how that is so backwards. And Mike's encouragement to live generously, live a life that is just marked by generosity so that you have more stories than stuff. 
and I appreciated that. And tonight we're going to talk about catalyst number three. And I really am glad that when we talk about run to win, um, that we're talking spiritually and not physically. Because I, uh, just to be honest, I'm not a runner. I, I don't claim to be. I am a jogger at best. So this idea of run to win, I'm glad it's spiritually and not physically. Uh, the older I get, the more I'm reminded that I am a jogger. Uh, last summer, we were playing with kids, and we were playing tag or kick the bucket or something like that out on North Mesa ball fields, and I made a quick juke move on somebody, and I started running them, outrunning them, and then pop, oh, there it went. So I'm glad it's spiritually, not physically. Uh, I know that Mike is a sports guy, so if you guys would tell me your favorite sport, team or individual, and online, go ahead and comment uh, what your favorite sport is. Football. NFL, college, high school. Chiefs, Mahomes. Are you getting a tattoo too? You probably are. Um, what else? Favorite sport? What's that? Soccer. Okay. Anybody else? What do we got here online? Um, I have no idea. It's not up yet. It's coming up, maybe. But this idea of your favorite sport. So I know Mike is a sports guy, so I'm going to talk sports for a minute. But I know not everybody in here is a sports person, so I'll get to that in a second. Baseball. We got Ketzel that says baseball. Oh, Broncos. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, no, uh, I'm kidding. I root for the Cardinals, so I can't say anything about anybody. Anyways, um, but uh, sports. In America, in sports, we praise the individual even if they're on a team, right? We think of guys like LeBron James. You're going, well, he plays for a team, I think, but the only player I know is LeBron James. People like uh, Alex Morgan, who does women's soccer. She's kind of the, the key point on that. David Beckham, who's guy's soccer. We don't know what team he plays for, but we just know David Beckham. We know individuals in there. We also know some other ones. If you're into MMA, Amanda Nunez is one of the best female MMA fighters that's ever been. And uh, if you're a snowboard fan like I am, one of the top snowboard ladies is Chloe Kim. We highlight individuals, but we forget that there is a group of people around them who help support them, right? Let's take, for example, Tom Brady, right? I know some of you just went, you know, but Tom Brady, okay, 21 years he's been in the NFL. 10, 10 Super Bowls the man has been in. Almost 50% of his career he's been in Super Bowls. Whether you like the guy or not, that's phenomenal. And he has seven rings, seven Super Bowl rings. Crazy stat to think about. Um, but again, we think about the individual in when we think of sports. And there's so much else going on. I jotted down a few things, and it went like this. So what it takes for Tom to be successful it takes a team of nutritionists. It takes workout trainers, not just one, but it takes speed, agility, weights, et cetera, kind of trainers. It takes doctors. It takes massage therapists. It takes counselors. It takes psychologists for Tom to deal with all the stuff that goes on in his head. It takes cooks. It takes practice squads. It takes film people. It takes technicians. It takes equipment managers. It takes all kinds of people. And I haven't even got into how many coaches. It takes for him to be successful. Oh yeah, and there's 10 other guys that are out there with him. It takes a team of people to make Tom successful. So when we think of run to win, it takes more than just the individual. 
Now, some of us are not, okay, sports fans. So I was thinking about this, and I go, what other team kind of thing would, would communicate in Los Alamos? And I went, <clears throat> there's something that really cool that happened a couple of weeks ago. It was called the Endeavor. Do you guys remember anything having to do with this? Anybody in here or online have anything to do with Endeavor? Nobody in here? Okay, so hopefully somebody online. But this idea of making it more Los Alamos, and I went, Endeavor. What did it take to get Endeavor to land on Mars? Perseverance, you're right. Thank you. Not endeavor, perseverance. I don't know why I said endeavor, but perseverance. Um, so I reached out to one of my friends, and his name happens to be Roger Weens, and I think I have that email in here. I hope I do. He, I asked him some questions about perseverance, Percy, aka Percy, and I was like, how many different organizations were involved in this? And he says, literally over hundreds of companies were involved in building the parts on the rover from tiny electronic components to machining the body from a single piece of aluminum to the custom-made parachute with its dare mighty things coded in binary into the parachute's two-color design. There's a lot of companies. I'm going to get to the number in a minute. But JPL started working on Perseverance, the rover, in 2013, eight years ago. Okay, so JPL is the company that started working on it. And then, but they used about 650 design drawings from Curiosity in 2004. So they took those, they already had some work going on. Um, so that's some of what they were doing. And this group of photos, or this fo group shot that Roger sent me, okay, that's JPL. That's one company that worked on uh, Perseverance. And then he lists this, he says, okay, so this is JPL, but on top of JPL, there was about 200 plus people at LANL, several hundred people at Kennedy Space Center to launch the rocket, several hundred people to build the rocket, and other people in other institutions in the US and Europe who contributed to the project. Overall, all together, to get that uh, rover on Mars, it took several thousand people who were involved in one way or another. Talk about crazy. It takes more than a person. It takes more than one. To get that to happen, thousands of people had to come together, plus all the instruments, all that stuff, uh, to make it happen. So this idea of run to win, Catalyst 1 was what? Read your Bible. Good. Catalyst 2 is? Is what? Live generously. Yes. Okay, so Catalyst 3 is run together. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, run together. And in America, we, again, we highlight the individual. But scripture doesn't talk about the individual. It talks about people and groups of people. And it matters about being together. In fact, it starts way back in Genesis 2. Genesis 2, Jesus, or God, has created the garden. Pardon me. Garden has the God. God created the garden. And the Lord took man in verse uh, 15, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat the tree of good of knowledge and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. And then verse uh, 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper or a helper suitable for him. So the Lord in the midst of a perfect garden, a perfect scenario, God walking with 
Adam in the garden goes, it's not good for man to be alone. And so God creates Eve. God knew we as humans need community. We need people to live life with, to run together. Okay, so that's Genesis. Talking with my son about how he's doing over at college. And uh, I said, what are you reading? And he told me, Dad, I'm reading right now, I'm reading Ecclesiastes 4. And I said, oh, what, do you, what did you read? And he talked to me about being together with people. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting, because that's exactly what I'm going to be talking about. So Ecclesiastes 4 goes, uh, verses 8, and it says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help them up. But pity the one, anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But, if you can't, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three stands, strands is not quickly broken. This idea of togetherness. Oftentimes that passage is used in marriage. But it's not in marriage here. He's just talking about community, about being together. It's biblical. It's scriptural to talk about this. There's so much in there, and I'm not going to necessarily dive all the way into these two passages. But it talks about if someone falls down, there's somebody to help them up. If someone falls um, in a hole, there's somebody to pull them up. We need people. We need them for warmth. We just need them for comfort. We need them for the joys of life. In the previous section of that, he's talking about what am I toiling for? What am I getting all these toys for if I have no one to give them to? What's the point? The point is life is meant to be shared together. It's meant to be together. And there's all kinds of reasons why. Uh, Paul states this over in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and I love this passage because it talks about the body. And so he's still, he's talking about being together, and he talks about the body, and he says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its members uh, form one body, so it is with Christ. Goes on to say, now if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I don't belong to the body, and would not for that reason to stop being a part of the body. He goes on and says, the eye, in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And he finishes this little section with a statement. Now, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. Paul talks about this idea of being a part of the body, about being connected. We need each other. We have to have each other. We're to say it this way, we're incomplete without each other. All of our gifts, all of our talents, all of our abilities, all of our inabilities, each of us brings something different that the body needs. And without each other, we are incomplete. We cannot run to win on our own. It's impossible. Uh, we need, uh, and I kind of broke it down into three things that we're going to need uh, to finish the race, right? It says to run to win. 
Paul says it this way also in 2 Timothy 4.17. He says, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I want to finish the race. I, I want to finish the race. And in order to do that, we kind of need these three things, the way um, I think the Lord broke them down for me. One, we need a mission. We need a direction. Right, he says back in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I do not run aimlessly as the boxer beating the air. He has a direction that he's going. And so my question is, what direction are you going? Not physically, but spiritually. It can be spiritually, uh, or it can be physically, but we need spiritual direction. And the Bible is filled with spiritual direction. I'm very grateful that when I met Jesus, a guy by the name of Matt Marino introduced me to Jesus. And then in the first three years of my journey, he sat me down and we went through, over the course of a year, a life mission purpose statement. His was really simple. And it's, um, so here it, it, here's was his life mission purpose statement. When I die, I want to go to heaven and take as many people with me as I can. That, you know, he is not a suicide bomber. He does love Jesus. But the idea behind it is he wants to live in such a way that he finishes the race and he brings a bunch of people with him. That's how he wanted to live his life. Scripture all over it talks about the mission. Mike, if you've paid attention in the last couple of weeks, have said one of these phrases that gives us direction. And that is, know God and what's the second half of that? And make him known. Yes, know God and make him known. That is an overarching spiritual direction. In fact, for me, there's a couple other scriptures that I think of. I think of 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Because we loved you so much, we are delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. It's about community. It's not just about speaking Jesus, it's about living together and sharing life. Jesus, at the end, right before he ascended, he sat down with his disciples, right? And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples. The command to go Go into the world and live life and make disciples and teach them. It's community. And it's a direction. Or maybe it's 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 is also in Scripture, right? All things you've heard me say, Paul is saying, uh, or sorry, Timothy's saying, you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This idea of teaching others. We have a mission a God-directed mission of where we're going. It's a direction. So my question is, have you ever written down your mission? And not just you, but I know Freedom has one, and you've jumped in on that. I work for the Ministry of Young Life, and the Ministry of Young Life has a mission statement. It's, um, it used to be a mission community of Christ-centered adults committed to reaching adolescents with the gospel of Jesus. This idea of mission and community. Now, here our phrase is introducing adolescents to Jesus and helping them grow in their faith. We have a specific mission. How we carry that out, I'm going to get to in a little bit, but we have a mission and a direction we're going. Freedom has that too, but do you have that for your life? Have you ever thought about that? What do I want my life to be like? 
You know, somebody once said, what is going to be written on your tombstone? What would be said of you when you die? A mission, a direction. I love that, yes, my life and my job is focused on teenagers, but not just teenagers. It's involved in sharing the gospel with people. You know, uh, Jesus was also asked, what is the most important commandment in Mark 12? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. Direction for your life. When uh, Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000, um, he crossed the lake and they, the crowd followed him. And he goes, you guys don't want to hear me. You just want food again. And he says, you must do the works of God. And they said, what are the works of God? In John 6, 28, he says, believe in the one he has sent. That's the works of God. Again, direction. Do you have that for your life? Do you have that for your small group? Do you have that with the people that you live with? So that's the first one. And I want to say this about that one. Keep it in front of you. If you have a mission, you have a goal, run to win, but how am I going to do that? Keep that phrase in front of you so you can keep running that way. The second thing in order to run together is, well, other people, right? You can't run together if you don't have other people. And so we need community. We need other people. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, uh, interesting name, with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Do you hear the author of Hebrews? Let us, we, it's group, it's in community. We are going a direction. There is a specific direction that the author is talking about. And this verse, I love. It is empowering to me. It is exciting to me. I look at this and I go, this is a life verse. We have so many people, witnesses that have gone before us, people around us. Let's throw off everything that hinders. Let's link arms and let's run the race and go after it. Let's get rid of everything that hinders and the things that entangle us. We need people. And here's the thing. Who we run with matters. Who we run with matters tremendously. Now, you guys, you guys know, and I know the online community knows, Tim White. Okay, Tim White is a runner. And by runner, I mean he's a distance runner. Tim would be incredibly foolish to go, hey, Ryan, I need you as a running partner for me. I am not a good choice to be a running partner with Tim. The man does 100 milers. He warms up at a 30-mile run. I stop at three to five miles. Like five is pushing it. I'm walking. I'm a bad choice, but I'm, I might be good for other reasons. So who you run with, who you invite in matters. Sometimes our teammates 
our running mates, are defined by a mission or a task at hand, right? And sometimes they're recruited by you, and sometimes they're just given to you, of people that you are running life with. Um, but I want you to recognize that all of them are put in place. Again, if we go back to uh, building your, ro- your house on the rock, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. Who God puts around you isn't by accident. Proverbs 27, 17. A lot of you know this. So as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. We want people around us. There's people that we will rub up against who aren't necessarily a part of the mission, the direction we're going, but that doesn't mean they're not valuable. Again, nothing is wasted when we build our house on the rock. But who we surround ourselves with to run the race is important. So in Young Life, I love that I get to have a complete mix of people who I get to run life with. Kayla is one of the most recent, and her husband Aaron, to run the race with. And I'm thrilled to get to know her and be a part of her life and her journey as we chase after teenagers and try to introduce them to Jesus. The Lord has done that in my life. And it was the Lord. I didn't pursue her. It was the Lord who put her in. There's people that I've pursued and God, man, let's lead together. I'd love to lead with you. And there's people who just surprise that the Lord brings in. But it's the group of people that the Lord gives that I get to run with. And I think about my mission. My mission in life is to share Jesus, primarily with teenagers, but with everybody around. And when I think about teenagers, I think about the high school of 1,200 kids. I think about the middle school with 600 kids. And I'm like, how in the world are we going to introduce them to Jesus? It takes all kinds of people. It's going to take people who are younger than me, who kids look at and they go, okay, I want to hang out with you. I don't get that phone call anymore. Hey, Ryan, you want to hang out? I don't get that call. I get, hey, can we talk? And that's a good call to get, too. Um, They go, can you buy me lunch? Yeah, I can buy you lunch. That I can do. Um, But uh, we need older folks who are wise, who can answer deeper questions that sometimes our younger folks, they don't have life experience. They don't have perspective to be able to answer. We need people who um, love wrestlers. We need people who love um, basketball players. We need people who love uh, kids of color. We need all kinds of people to run the race. We need people who actually like middle schoolers. That's crazy. And so we pray that the Lord would raise up people. And when he does, I get to run the race of life to introduce adolescents to Jesus. And I'm super excited to do that, who the Lord puts around me. And then there is just life in general. My life is very intertwined with my mission. For all of us, some, for some of us, that's not the case, but um, here's a question. Who do you have around you? Who's running the race with you? Who have you asked or invited to come into your world and to run the race? Do the people who are around you sharpen you or make you duller? Is everybody in your circle like you? If you're not being stretched by the people in your circle, why not? Does everybody in your circle agree with you? Spiritually, politically, you know, economically? 
Are they like you? Do you allow people who are different than you to challenge you? To rub some of that rough stuff. If we are very much alike, everybody around us, then the, rub, the rough stuff that we have on us will never get rubbed off. We got to have people who are not like us. And those people who are different cultural backgrounds than us. Are they allowed to be a part of our life? Do we invite that in? Do we ask for that to come in to our lives so that we can run the race? There is so much baggage in my life when I think of, I need to throw off everything that hinders and run the race. There's people around me who I don't know yet who need to be involved in my life to help me get rid of the stuff that hangs on me. The jagged edges in my life so that I can be sharper at the mission that the Lord has called me to. Are you going after those things? Who are your training partners spiritually? Just remember, we're all part of the body of Christ. All of us. All our uniquenesses, all our brokenness, all the great stuff, all the messy stuff. We're all part of it. God says it takes all of us to be the body of Christ to run together. We cannot say to one another, we don't need you. We have to say, we need each other, and I need you. Who we run with matters. Third thing, what might help us on our mission with, with this run to win and running together is we need a mission, we gotta have a direction that we're going, we need a team of people, we need some teammates, and then we also need some tools. To, in order to get there, we got to have some tools around us. For me, again, part of the tools in my tool belt is my job. And they give me some great tools to run the race with those around me, that being Young Life Club and campaigners, those kinds of things, leadership and all those things. Um, but you may not have one of those. So here's the number one thing, okay, that you have that Mike talked about, catalyst number one, the Bible. You need that tool if you're going to run with a mission and you're going to run with people. You've got to be in the Bible. It's, it's the word of God. It is so encouraging and so challenging and it feeds us. It's the living and active word of God. And Jesus is there. It's a tool to help us run the race to finish, to win. Okay, This church is a tool. Your church is a tool, the way it is in the community. The 21 Days of Hope is a tool for you to run the race that's been marked out for you. Mike is a tool. Just, in a good way. In a good way, he's a tool. The way he preaches. The man gets more excited than anybody else I've listened to in Los Alamos when he preaches. He is like engaged in the Word of God. He's a great tool to run the race. I don't know if you guys look at people that you're around and go, man, you have got to hear him. He's like animated. He loves what he's talking about. He's a great tool. Your family is a tool for you to run the race with, to finish the race. You have neighbors who need their driveway shoveled. You go out there as a family and you shovel it. Your kids help you make a meal for a neighbor or for somebody who needs a meal. Your family's a tool about running the race and finishing it together. Is your family a part of that mission? 
They're part of your teammates. Your kids are part of the teammates that you get to run with. Your spouse is a teammate that you get to run with. They're also a tool that God goes, I want to help you run the race. Right? As you pray for your neighbors and for your friends, your family hears your heart for others. And they grow. As you serve your neighbors, as you live generously, Catalyst 2, you get to run to win with your kids, with your neighbors, again, running together. One of the things I love about Young Life that is we try to create opportunities for others to get involved. We were going to be able to do a drive-in fundraiser, and we had to cancel at the last minute. But there was folks who um, we were like, hey, we got to build uh, screens. We need giant screens to be able to project onto so we have a drive-in. Otherwise, it's not really a drive-in if you don't have movies and stuff showing. And I, I'm like, hey, Mike, would you be in charge of that? I can get you a couple guys. Uh, Brett, Steve, would you guys be interested in helping with that? We have tools all over the place, but my job gives me some of those to invite people in to running the race, to this idea of running together. I, I love that I get to invite people in. Your job is a place, is a tool that the Lord has given you. And by that, let me, let me try to flesh that one out a little bit because this is what I believe the Lord gave me. Ephesians 4.29 says this, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building one another up. Theoretically, let's say during your quiet time, the Lord brought that verse up and you read it and you're like, oh, okay, I really want to do better about building one another up. Okay, and you go to work. Ah, how am I going to do that? I don't work around any Christians. Ah, that's going to be hard. Ah, that's work. But the Lord doesn't let it go. I want to invite you to expand your view of who you run with. You take this verse, you go to your coworker, and you go, Mike, hey, uh, can I ask you for a personal favor? You know, you start that way. Something like that. Hey, man, I, I'm trying to work on something. I know you, know you know I'm a Christian. If you don't, I'm sorry, but I'm a Christian. And God is trying to work on my heart, my voice, what I do. Would you help me with that? I want to be more encouraging. I want words of affirmation to come out of my mouth. I want to be encouraging in our workplace. Can you help me with that? And when I'm not building other people up, would you challenge me on that? Maybe not in front of the whole group, because that would be, you know, uh, awkward. Or maybe you can just say the word, like, I think of building others up. I think of Legos. Would you maybe just say Lego? If I'm, if I'm being critical, would you help me with that? When we do that, when we invite people in, it shows humility. It shows that I want to grow in Christ. And when we invite a non-believer into that, they are blown away. I'm not saying anything about their language. Help me get better at what God is doing in my life. And we invite people. And all of a sudden, Mike is now running with me in that direction, that little tiny thing. And he gets to be a part of my team running after Jesus. And he is totally unaware of that. 
But yet God is going to do something in that. I just want to encourage you guys um, to look at opportunities, these tools that the Lord has given you, the places that he has put you to run the race, to finish, to run together. Invite people in. Now, I'm not going to ask Mike, if a coworker, to hold me accountable in my daily quiet time and all kinds of things. I'm going to take small steps. Other people get that position in my life. But do you have those people in your life that hold you accountable? Again, who you run with matters. You need a mission. You need the right people. And you need to start recognizing the tools that the Lord has put around you to run the race. I want to I finish with this. This is Swahili, okay? So, guys at home, I'm not going to be able to hear you, but I want you to say it with me. Pomoja, Pomoja. Okay, I want you guys to say that with me, those who are here. Ready? Pomoja, Pomoja. Anybody speak Swahili? No? Okay. Uh, anybody at home speak Swahili? There's a little delay in there. About 15 seconds, so we'll see. I'll give you the answer. It's Swahili for together, together. In a lot of languages, there isn't a word for very, right? So if I was to look at my wife and I go, in America, right, in English, I'm going to say, you are very pretty. But in a lot of languages, there's no word for very, so they repeat it. So they would go, Amy, you are pretty, pretty. So in Swahili, when they talk about being together, they talk about pomoja, pomoja, together, together. It is emphasizing this togetherness. It's emphasizing we are in community and we are together in a mission. My brothers and sisters um, in Africa, in different places, use these kinds of words to go, we're in it together. We're on our journey with the Lord. Are you very together with people? Are you just together? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I love what I get to do in life. I love that I get to partner with people. I love that I get to call people, let's go chase after Jesus and let's go chase after teenagers. And in the midst of chasing after teenagers, we're gonna draw closer to Jesus. I get to try to rally people to that call to go, man, let's go live life together, together. And let God change us from the inside out, but do it together. The race is marked out for us to run. At times, it's going to be tiring. At times, it's hard. COVID this last year has been hard. But I want to encourage us, in order to run to win, we need to read our Bible. We need to live generously. And we need to run together. Thank you, guys. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you wanna partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's gonna get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.